Jamie and I with you here on the Green Zone on this Monday or Tuesday afternoon. How you like me now? Uh, Jeremy O'Day probably uh, uttering that phrase to a few of the doubters in Ryderville. Have have you heard the news? Maybe you have not. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, it's the negotiating window. You can negotiate with free agents. You can pen them to agreed-upon contracts. You submit it to the league. Yesterday, it was offensive tackle Jamarcus Harder coming over from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Today, two more big-name signings for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Running back A.J. Ouellette who I believe were was someone on a lot of your minds that the Riders should go after. Of course, former Toronto Argonaut running back. He's got the blonde locks blowing out from behind the helmet for the Argos. He's got the Thor hammer that he carries around with him, especially when he goes to Hamilton. The other one is linebacker Jameer Thurman. Oh, agreed upon contract with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Of course, that fills the hole. They're not look doesn't look like they're bringing back Larry Dean. So, Rider Nation, what do you think? I put out there on social media over the weekend, going into the negotiating window, five top priorities for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Defensive line was number one on my list. I still think they're thin there. Haven't picked up a defensive lineman yet. We will see. Offensive line, of course, was going to be a need. Jermarcus Hardrick. Linebacker. Jameer Thurman was one of my top five needs. Running back was one of my top five. A.J. Ouellette comes in, and then American wide receiver. I could see them adding a depth piece or two in the coming days. But some big rider news today. And now everybody's saying, well, I thought next week is CFL free agency. Well, next week is CFL free agency. That is when these players will officially have these contracts registered in the league. What is happening right now is because the CFL used to have, uh, there used to be some tampering going on. That's why you might remember Odell Willis signing with the Edmonton Elks two minutes after the deadline opened. Like, you can't negotiate a contract in two minutes' time and have it signed and submitted and all that stuff. Like, that's a bit ridiculous. So stuff was going on behind the scenes anyways. Still is. But now this week, it's all above board with the Canadian Football League. You're submitting contracts to the CFL that have been agreed upon, that become official after the deadline, 11 a.m. next Tuesday, when the current deals of these players expire with their current teams. And this negotiating window goes till Sunday, 11 a.m., then there's a 48-hour breath. And then Tuesday, next Tuesday, a week from today, 11 a.m., these all become official and the players can meet with the media and all that other stuff. Uh, But the riders, they are being aggressive to turn this thing around after two, six and 12 seasons that both finished the same way with seven game losing streaks and AJ Ouellette, Jameer Thurman and Jermarcus Hardrick have all agreed to deals with the Saskatchewan rough riders. There's a bunch of other deals going on in the Canadian football league 
we will get to as well throughout the show. And uh, it's already busy. We are going to talk a little bit more about CFL with Dave Naylor. He's going to join us live from Las Vegas. And I need to know the story from Dave Naylor. Carol Waglin told it on Jay Onright last night that Dave got them lost in the bowels of Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas that they almost missed the opening night last night. They took a wrong turn and ended up locked in the basement at Allegiant Stadium. So uh, I'll get Dave's side of the story on that one, on who followed who uh, through the wrong set of doors in Las Vegas. Also, Danon Hughes is going to join us. He is the color analyst of the Kansas City Chiefs, a former wide receiver of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this young, when he was a young man in Kansas City, the first quarterback throwing him footballs was Joe Montana. So Danon Hughes knows great quarterback play. And there's a lot of talk about where Patrick Mahomes is going on the all-time scale in NFL history. They are talking Patrick Mahomes already with the likes of Joe Montana and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. He could pass Peyton for Super Bowl victories if he wins this weekend. So Danon Hughes has been watching it up close and personal in Kansas City area way back since 1993 when he was drafted by the Chiefs. And he entered his first training camp with Joe Montana, throwing him footballs. So he's going to join us as well ahead of Super Bowl 58. We'll have a ton of guests uh, throughout the week uh, ahead of Super Bowl 58 going on this Sunday. It also is going to be a topic on Truth or Trash Tuesday. And I've been pondering this question for a while now. Because the the division championship game or division weekend, you remember, more people watched the Kansas City Chiefs play that weekend against the Buffalo Bills than watched the Grey Cup. And then you will remember the conference championship, even more ratings for the National Football League. So I'm going to bring it closer to home, Truth or Trash Tuesday. Is the NFL surpassing the Riders in popularity in this province? Because I... I've heard business owners, I've talked to them about rider games at a bar compared to NFL Monday, Sunday night. Now, the NFL does a way better job than the CFL when it comes to appointment tuning, especially for those prime time games. And it's like, yeah, it's starting to become almost a bigger crowd sometimes outside of rider playoff games, which we have not seen uh, in a while. In the province. So we're going to talk about that with Drew Romenda, Truth or Trash Tuesday, coming up at 335. You can weigh in now. We'll get to your text a little bit later on in the show. And also tonight, can the Edmonton Oilers do it? Back on the ice after the All-Star break, they take on the Vegas Golden Knights, the team that eliminated from the playoffs last playoffs. And a win tonight, and the Edmonton Oilers would tie the NHL record for most consecutive wins at 17 games. There's a lot of talk. I've been asked this question a bunch about who. Did the Oilers get hurt by having the All-Star break right in the middle? Like, are they are they going to come out of this with a little less momentum that they carried in? 
I hesitate to really go down that route because everybody was off during the All-Star breaks. It's not like Vegas was playing and the Edmonton Oilers weren't. And there weren't a lot of Edmonton Oilers at the All-Star break. It was just Dreisaitl and McDavid. So, and McDavid won a million dollars, so he should be feeling good about that skills competition on Friday rolling into tonight. And then they'll play Thursday, maybe break the NHL record. one 332 8255 Your reaction, Rider Nation. Is it Jeremy O'Day? Are the Riders winning you back? All those people who said, I'm out. I'm not buying my tickets. I'm, oh, well, AJ Olette. <laughs> oh, hi, Jamarcus Hardrick. <laughs> oh, hey, Jameer Thurman's now or Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Okay, fine. I'll be there. Or maybe not. one 332 8255 That is the fan line right here on the Green Zone on a Tuesday afternoon on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I love you, Red Solo Cup. I lift you up. Well, there might be a few Toby Keith fans maybe drinking out of Red Solo Cup tonight in honor of the country musician lost his battle with cancer uh, late last night. It was uh, posted, of course, a big... uh, Big act that has come to Saskatchewan a few occasions uh, with Country Thunder out in Craven. Always a popular go-see with Toby Keith. Uh, some sad news for country music fans and fans of Toby Keith. I, 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 will, I will be honest with you. There was, um, there was a time, I don't know if he knows the lyrics anymore, but there was a time probably when he was two or three uh, where my son was once caught um, singing Red Solo Cup. Might have taught him the words one time. Uh, and hey, it's a popular song. What can I say? It's easy to learn, too. Uh, so you can raise your Red Solo Cups uh, for uh, Toby Keith. Pour one out for him tonight, uh, the country music star. Well, a lot of CFL news coming in today. My goodness. The Toronto Argonauts, I'll be honest, must be... Co- if Chad Kelly showed up to work today, he'd wonder where the heck everybody went. Adarius Pickett, gone. A.J. Ouellette, agreeing to terms with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Javon Leak, their star punt returner. He's signing with the Edmonton Elks. Jamal Peters, their star defensive back. He's going to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Brandon Barlow, one of the young up-and-coming defensive linemen going to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The hits keep coming to the Toronto Argonauts, and this is the this is part of it. You become more and more successful. You can't sign them all, uh, but you have seen a few Toronto Argonauts jump ship, so to speak, uh, to some of the other teams in the CFL. But what's your reaction? A.J. Ouellette, the running back with the blonde blocks, you know him from Toronto flowing blonde hair out of his helmet. He's coming to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, or at least has agreed to a deal with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Jameer Thurman announced today as well, linebacker, last played for Hamilton, but he's a Calgary Stampeder connection. His start in the CFL was with the Calgary Stampeders with Corey Mace as one of his defensive assistant coaches and Mark Mueller as well. And yesterday, Jermarcus Hardrick, the offensive tackle of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, agreeing to terms. So there's the latest on some of the CFL stories uh, going on. Oh, and Brady Oliveira, sorry, 
Brady Oliveira, as I knew, I just, I knew it. Like, there was no chance the Winnipeg guy was going to leave Winnipeg. And he's getting paid a nice sum of money to stay in Winnipeg as the running back of the Bombers. Brady Oliveira is a Winnipeg guy. He does a lot of charity work. Uh, in his bye week, he's going up northern Manitoba, helping the save dogs on their vacation in Bali. He was helping out a charity there that saves dogs as well. And he does it in Winnipeg in the offseason. He is very much a Winnipeg guy, born, bred, and makes sense that he's staying with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So now that running back domino has dropped. So AJ, let's come to Saskatchewan. William Stanback, who was rumbling, maybe interested with the Riders. He's going to the BC Lions. We'll see where Jamal Morrow, Kadeem Carey uh, will sign other running back free agents in the Canadian Football League. A reminder on Friday, we, we didn't play last week because it was the All-Star game. But this coming Friday, we will announce our latest contestant for the Green Zone Tic-Tac 20 contest. The jackpot is up to $1,700. So if you haven't yet, Go to cjme.com or cKOM.com. Find the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. Put your name in. If you've already got your name in, it's in for the entire year. You don't have to do it again. One entry per person. But if you haven't yet, I don't know why you wouldn't. It's potentially just the free money to sign up at cjme and cKOM.com for the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. We will tell you who's playing for that 1700 bucks this coming Friday. Jamie and I with you on a Tuesday afternoon as we get set for Super Bowl of 58. And we'll have many guests joining us uh, leading into the Super Bowl on a Sunday. And joining us now is Kansas City Chiefs radio color analyst in Las Vegas, former chief himself, uh, Danon Hughes on the Green Zone. Danon, thanks so much for your time. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an exciting time to be in the Chiefs' kingdom, even though we moved the Chiefs' kingdom out to Arrowhead West, a.k.a. Allegiant Field. So, yeah, we are, we're excited to be here. Never lost a game there, ever. In the, What is it, four <laughs> trips now in Las Vegas? That's right. And you know what's crazy about that is that you can make an argument that the Raiders have had probably the most success against us, but, they, but it's not at home. They've beaten us twice at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, when you consider this reign of the AFC West and how many title runs we've had consecutively, like the Raiders have been the team that kind of has beaten us at home, but they can't win at their home. Uh, Danny Hughes joining us, a radio color analyst of the Kansas City Chiefs, former chief himself in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. I need to ask you, you enter the league, you're drafting the seventh round, you arrive at Chiefs camp, and you are looking at Joe Montana. And you have Patrick Mahomes this year and a lot of comparisons being made to the Montanas, the Bradys, the Mannings for this young quarterback. But let's go back to the 90s. What did you learn about excellence in watching Joe Montana? Well, the first thing I learned is don't screw it up because it's going to be your fault no matter what. So I knew, <laughs> I knew that. I was smart enough to realize that it didn't matter where the ball was thrown. I needed to catch it. If I didn't, it could be 10 feet over my head. It would have been my fault. So uh, I took that seriously, recognized greatness on the field, and just their demeanor and how, they, how, how each of these guys handle 
other players. And when I say other players, you know you got the other stars like Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, you know, getting himself up to that top shelf level, Chris Jones on the defense. But what about the other guys, the role players? How how are they interacting with them? And I was fortunate enough that Joe was a cool dude. He was just a cool dude. Uh, and he didn't carry himself like he was better than anybody else, didn't take himself too seriously, never screamed at guys if we did something wrong or if we weren't where we were supposed to be. It was just kind of a – he led by example. And that's what I see from Patrick. Yeah, you see some fiery – uh, you know, some fiery barbs from Patrick during the season and some frustrating situations during the game. But for the most part, like when I watch him on the plane, when I see him interact with the players, when I'm walking through the locker room post-game interviews, after losses and after wins, he's the same dude. And I think that's why guys gravitate to him, and that's why that's one aspect that makes him so great. Now, when you when you talk about volatility, I think we saw a little bit more of it from Patrick Mahomes this season than ever before on the sideline. But I think this is the development of the Chiefs this season. It's it's a different way to the Super Bowl than years past. Uh, how did they overcome, come together, galvanize, and be able to pick off the teams one by one on their road to Super Bowl Fifty Eight? You know what's interesting? Yeah, you're right. This year has definitely been different. I was looking at some clips from 2018, 2019, and seeing how Patrick Mahomes, like we were averaging over 30 points a game. The defense was struggling to keep teams uh, below 30 points, and we were winning games and shootouts. And now you see, to me, this year it shows more of a maturation process for Patrick Mahomes because if you start your career like that it's really it can be real humbling to be able to move backwards and then become more of a game manager still learn how to win the games but not the same way and uh to his credit to me what he's done this year i don't know if it surpasses a couple of one or two of the uh, mvps he's had but I feel like it's been impressive in a different way because everything hasn't gone right. He doesn't have Tyreek Hill taking a five-yard pass and, and running 60 yards, making six and seven guys miss down the field. He doesn't have that luxury. It's been methodical. Uh, it's been calculated, moving the ball down the field. And at times, even he's talked about, there's been times where he's learned, i just got to live to punt. Like we, Punting is okay. Kicking a field goal is okay. Harrison Butker... I believe he missed two field goals this entire season, has not missed an extra point. Like, it's okay. And I think Patrick, in his early years, and it's crazy to say early years, he's only been a starter for six, but in his early years, he probably wouldn't have liked to just settle for the field goals or settle for a field position and punts. But maturing uh, the way he has has shown really uh, to be to, – to be beneficial for this Chiefs organization and get us where we're at. And, and we hit our stride late in the season. Like, uh, we're used to seeing Patrick Mahomes hit the ground running in the opening week or the first quarter of the season, and it took us until the last quarter of the season to secure, not only to secure a playoff spot, but actually get our offense going in the right direction. Analyst uh, on the radio for the Kansas City Chiefs, former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Danon Hughes, joining us from Las Vegas at a Super Bowl 58 being a receiver, was it difficult watching those early struggles uh, from the receiving core this group this year in in Kansas City? Yeah, 
Absolutely, and and part of it is because I was a former wide receiver, and I know you don't get to this level without being able to catch the ball. Like these guys are extremely talented, probably more talented than I was as a player, and yet catching the ball is the most fundamental part of the of the position. And the fact that we weren't able to do so added a lot of frustration. And for me, watching it from the from the uh, booth and calling the games and recognizing. You can make an argument that this Chiefs team, there were four individual plays, four individual pass plays that really equated to four losses. Like, that's really what it came down to. And even though we're, we live in an age where we say uh, there's no one play that makes a game, well, actually there were. <laughs> like, there were specifically four plays that took away games that we should have won and forced us into a loss. And and. Uh, allowed us to get the three seed instead of a one seed where we would have hosted a six straight AFC championship. Like, we, we definitely took the hard road to get where we're at, and it was frustrating to watch because I know those guys have the capabilities. I mean, when you talk about Kadarius Tony, he's a former first-round pick. You don't become a first-round pick by not being able to catch the ball. You know, Sky Moore, second-round pick. You don't get to that point without being able to catch the ball. And you can go throughout the Richie Jameses and everybody else. Uh, Rasheed Rice had some issues early in the season, really came on strong as one of the better uh, receivers in the game in the last half of the season. But early part of the season, he's a second-round pick. He was dropping the ball. Uh, that was just unacceptable, but I'm so glad that they got it turned around when so many people were, were giving up on them. Uh, thought it was going to be a down year, didn't think we would be in this position. I give credit to the coaching staff and those players for rallying. Dana Hughes joining us, Kansas City Chiefs analyst in Las Vegas. Um, the Andy Reid effect, uh, how calming of an influence is one of the greatest coaches of all time for the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, to me, it's one of the great stories of this season. It's one of the great stories of his tenure uh, over a decade here in Kansas City, and it's it's not like we, we went through the years of Todd Haley and Scott Pioli and all the craziness that was going on on the field and behind the scenes with them, the volatility, uh, the, the, the unsuredness of, you know, unsured footing, I guess you can say, when you walk in a building, you didn't know what you were going to face each day, and the consistency of Andy Reid. Now, he's got that fatherly-slash-grandfatherly kind of way about him, but I, I believe, as a player, the players recognize that he, he, he cares about them. He cares about their well-being. He cares about them as human beings, and then he's going to put them in a position to be successful on the field. And I think that's, those are great attributes for coaches. You can look back at the Tony Dungy's, the Bill Cowers, um, you know, the list goes on and on about coaches that just they they exude that kind of aura to the players where I walk in the office, I walk in the meetings, I walk on a practice field, and I know that this dude cares about me, cares about me as a man, and I know that he's preparing game plans for me to be successful and for our organization to be successful. And who else wouldn't you, would you want to play for than a person like that? Dana, when you look at this, this team in this Super Bowl, I'm just curious. You're there. You've been you've been to Super Bowls. How does Vegas compare as a host city? Like the Super Bowl is a gong show in itself. It moves wherever, yeah. and it's a, a huge deal. What is a Super Bowl in Vegas actually like? So I've always been partial to Arizona. I just like 
Scottsdale area. I think it's really cool. It's kind of condensed, but a little bit spread out where it doesn't get too crazy. Uh, but Vegas, everything is right here. I mean, you can literally walk outside the Mandalay Bay, cross a bridge, and you're in Allegiant Stadium. Uh, it's convenient. Now, it's the beginning of the week, so we don't know how, how wild it's going to be by the end of the week. they got fight night here on Thursday and other stuff going on, obviously all the concerts. Like, Vegas just happened to have the Super Bowl. It, it was crazy if the Super Bowl wasn't here. But uh, it's, it's, the weather has been bad. It's been terrible here. Rain, who would have thought rain would be in the desert during the Super Bowl week? Uh, relatively chilly. I wouldn't say cold coming from the Midwest, but it is chilly. Uh, so hopefully it'll clear up by the end of the week. There's a lot of great events here, former players, NFL alumni stuff, NFL PA stuff, and then the normal Vegas uh, gauntlet that you have. So it, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, as much as I hate the Raiders, being that I was a Chiefs player for six years, I have to give them credit. They do have the nicest stadium in the NFL and the most convenient in regards to getting in and out of. So it should be a fun week. Okay, I need how – much enjoyment, I guess you could say, are the Kansas City Chiefs having that they are in the Raiders facility practicing this week? <laughs> How about the fact that now they're they're not saying it, but I'll say it myself since I'm not in I'm not in in the game. I'm not. It does. There's no bulletin board material or anything that I can provide as a as a guy that played 30 years ago. I'll say this. The Raiders have not hosted a playoff game. We are playing the first playoff game in their stadium. We are practicing in their practice facility. I don't know if, like, if there's a way that Al Davis could be rolling over. That's probably something that I'm sure could be happening. I mean, the fact that we're of all teams and of all times, the first Super Bowl here in Las Vegas and the Chiefs are taking, literally taking over their facility. Uh, I'm sure that doesn't bode well for the Raider fans, but it, it is lovely for us who hate the Raiders, so that's cool. Well, Dana, I'll, I'll be honest. As you're answering that question, and I hope this doesn't hurt our relationship, but I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, I was talking yesterday. I'm like, it's killing me as a as someone who grew up watching Tim Brown and Bo Jackson and that crew going, mm-hmm. oh, the Chiefs are in the Raiders facility. This is killing me right now. And <laughs> You just you just put the cherry on top right there uh, on on <laughs> describing because I own I know all those facts I'm a broadcaster I know it the Raiders have sucked over the last couple of years um, but the Chiefs definitely have not as the beast well, in the so AFC can I, can West. I go back to my I'm gonna go back to my adolescent days for about five seconds right now and go <laughs> nah 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 nah. nah. <laughs> Uh, well, Dana, I'll tell you what, I am picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I'm not that bitter uh, when it comes to uh, the Raiders-Chiefs rivalry, and I imagine you are too. Yeah, I think the Chiefs, like I said, hit their stride at the right time. We're not used to seeing it come so late, but the fact that it came on time, right before the playoffs, winning the last two games of the regular season, and then... Patrick Mahomes having to do something he's never had to do, go on the road in the postseason and win against the Bills team that had everything working for them. Playing at home, the weather, retribution, the fact that we had literally shut down their season twice uh, in the past years with Josh Allen in the playoffs, and they couldn't get it done. Then going to Baltimore and getting it done the way we did, 
Uh, I'm, I'm as confident as I was in those two games as I am in this game. And I feel like one of the storylines from those wins was the giveaway takeaway. And uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find ever in the history of the NFL a team going to the championship or going to the Super Bowl with a minus 11 giveaway takeaway. And that's exactly how we ended the regular season. We were, I believe, tied for 30th in the NFL at that time in uh, how many times we've given the ball away versus how many we've taken away. And even though this defense has been stellar all season, they were a little bit lackluster in the takeaway factor. And that turned around last week. Uh, it turned around uh, against the against the Baltimore Ravens where we were able to get three takeaways from them and not give the ball away, and that's pretty much the story of the game. So I feel like the story of this game coming up for the Super Bowl is going to be who can protect the ball the best. Uh, that 49er offense, they do not need any help in regards to field position. Uh, they need to be a team that has to go 80 yards, 75 to 80 yards every time they touch the ball. And if we can force them into some mistakes while also not making mistakes, I feel like we'll be victorious. Well, Damien, enjoy the rest of the week in Vegas and uh, the potential party that's going to come Sunday night. I hope so. I hope so. How how cool would that be? We take over the Raider facility, the stadium, the practice facility, and then we have a party in their town. That would just be the ending of all endings. <laughs> that is Dana Hughes, analyst of the Kansas City Chiefs, former Kansas City Chief, a receiver in Las Vegas. Super Bowl 58 on Sunday. A lot more coming from Vegas, including TSN's Dave Naylor a little later on on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Bridge Farm remembers. Day in Super Bowl history, February the 6th, 2005. Down the middle of the field, and the pass is picked off by Harrison. Rodney Harrison takes it in, and nine seconds remain, and the New England Patriots are on their way to solidifying their team as an NFL dynasty. Yes, the third time in four years. The New England Patriots win the Super Bowl, that time against the Philadelphia Eagles. Also on this day in Super Bowl history, it was the only Super Bowl championship that Aaron Rodgers has been able to win when the Green Bay Packers beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 31-25 on February 6th, 2011.